How does a former soldier in the British Armed Forces use martial arts to drive a successful sales career? Well, you're about to find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is the Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. Welcome back to your weekly dose of foot-sweeping sales and marketing martial arts learning. I'm your Dark Horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and you? Well, infinitely more importantly, you are a driven entrepreneur, a business owner, or hoping to be one soon. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, or just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal, or business results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Well, got another big episode for you today. Today, John Molyneux shares how he combines his years of martial arts experience with his sales career. Plus, I'm going to let you in on next episode's guest who's going to be sharing his experience in, wait for it, podcasting. <laughs> right? As per usual, the Dark Horse Corrals are chock full of personal, business, and marketing, G-O-L-D, spilling from every corner of the Dark Horse Entrepreneur HQ. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, my fellow Dark Horses, today's guest, John Molyneux, started his incredible sales samurai journey back in his 20s. Yeah, you heard me, sales samurai. And he served under his majesty's pleasure, the British Armed Forces. So even though he didn't feel like he was destined to be a soldier for the rest of his career, this experience kind of set the stage for his entrepreneurial path towards becoming a sales samurai. Yeah. John found this niche uh, of his own by by combining his martial arts skills to complement his sales career, uh, having achieved a black belt in karate along with competing in, a number, in, a, in numerous uh, other arts. He applied the mindset and the strategies of the arts to his sales, uh, allowing him to close deals like a ninja. Uh, John's life experiences enabled him to really empathize with people and their situations, turning him into this problem-solving assassin. You feeling a trend here? I like this. Uh, not only does uh, does he have this successful and promising uh, sales future, he's also uh, a speaker and the podcast host of Success Breeds Success. So let's give John a roaring dark horse welcome. Sales Samurai. John, first of all, John, welcome to the show. All right. Glad to have you here. It's an absolute pleasure to be on on the Dark Horse Show. I love the name of this show as well. Well, thank you. Um, I'm I'm going to step back in a moment to let you tell your story, but I, I want to make sure we get into this sales samurai thing because it's such a cool. Thing. I'm a big, uh, as you and I have discussed before. I'm I'm a big martial arts fan from from way back in my teenage days. So when I saw sales samurai, I'm like, okay, I have to talk to this guy, but. Before we go there, let's, let me just uh, you know hand you the microphone and let you tell your story. Uh, you know where you came from, what you're doing, why you love doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm from a town called Bolton, which is in the northwest of England, and it's uh, it's kind of near Manchester. If I'm guessing most people have heard of Manchester, so yeah, it's near there. And uh, well, basically, I, I kind of got through my te- through my teenage years and everything. I was just doing kind of monotonous jobs and never really kind of found what I wanted to do. I was in and out of work and stuff like that. And 
uh, just kind of bumming around and not really knowing which direction to take. And then I kind of got into my early 20s and I thought, right, I've had enough of this. I'm going to do something and get me out of here. So I, I went into the British Army. And as you've already mentioned, it didn't really work out. I, was, I, would, I didn't feel I was in the right regiment. And there was a number of reasons why I didn't pursue it as a full-time career. But I did take some, some really good life skills out of it in the two years I was there. They, they do teach you a lot of good stuff, discipline and perseverance and that kind of thing. Uh, those are some of the traits I took from that. And then moving on, I, I kind of, when I left, I kind of fell into the sort of security industry and driving work, which a lot of ex-military tend to do. So I was doing a lot of like uh, nightclub security and festival circuits and things like that and driving trucks and what have you. But I never really kind of got my teeth into that and, and never really felt that it was something that I wanted to, to persevere in. But eventually I discovered uh, martial arts because I, I was kind of, I think I kind of craved a bit of the discipline that I was lacking from once I left the military. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a quite a nice thing to, to get some of that discipline and something to get your teeth into. So I was doing bits and bats of different stuff. And I kind of fell into karate by, it wasn't really an art that I was really wanting to do, but it was, it was an opportunity to, to be become an instructor. So uh, the idea was that I was to go out and uh, knock on the doors. So I was knocking on doors and uh, getting people to join the classes. But at the same time, I was getting my uh, grades and my uh, karate instruction was, was free. So that was kind of the, the, the deal was that I was uh, taught how to do the karate, but I was also um, learning sales skills at the same time by actually knocking on the doors. So it, that's how my yin-yang of martial arts and sales came to fruition. So I was doing it for quite a long time. If you have any people listening in today that are door knockers or have been door knockers, I was doing it for four or five years, which is quite a long time to be uh, knocking on doors. I mean, you speak to people and six months is kind of <laughs> a long time for most people. So the fact that I did it for so long, uh, but I, I liked it and it was a really good way of connecting with people and, and sort of like learning different or overcoming objections and lots of other different sales skills. But at the same time, I was learning something I was passionate about with the martial arts. Nice. That's, that's kind of a cool story. I really like that. So just a, a quick sidebar. Uh, what's your favorite form? Favorite form in karate or favorite uh, just in martial arts in general? Martial arts in general. Oh, that's a, that's a tricky one because I do quite, I, I quite like to dabble in other, other sort of arts, but I, I'd, say, I'd say I really am passionate about the Chinese. I've st steered away from the Japanese side of things, more mm -hmm. into the Chinese direction. I really, really do love uh, Qigong and Tai Chi and, and Kung Fu. Um, but more, I also... Would that be because of the, the more flowing styles versus kind yeah, of... The, yeah. yeah, rather than the rigid linear movements yeah. of Christ, much more flowy. And, no, no, I, I agree. But I also like uh, Filipino stuff and, and Sila and, and sort of Indonesian arts as well. So there's something really appealing about that. They're kind of... Because uh, they use a lot of weapons that I, that I like to... Like they have karambits and sticks and stuff like that. I yeah. like to have things in my hand that I can swing around and stuff. So yeah, I do like a bit of a mixture. Nice, nice. I, I, I have to, I have to side with you. I'm, I'm more a fan of the, of the free flowing styles. You know, be like water, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I too enjoy uh, the weapons 
Uh, I, uh, when I was growing up and even of late, you know, I picked up the nunchucks, um, and the three sectional staff, which was for me, a lot of people are like, good God, the thing is such an awkward, uh, tool. Uh, but I, it just felt right in my hand and it was, it was a lot of fun. I got to, uh, uh, com- not so much compete as just do demonstrations mm-hmm. with uh, the three sectional staff. They're a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You, you mentioned weapons, any specific ones that your favorites? Yeah, I mean, the nunchucks are one of my favorites as well. I do use them quite a lot. Um, like I said, the Filipino sticks, so you get two shots. So I could probably like two foot long sticks. Like the Escrima sticks? Escrima sticks. Actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, gotcha. Filipino, yeah. So the Escrima sticks. Also, Karambit. I really like Karambit, but machetes as well. Uh, I, I have trained Ooh. with uh, Maul Morning. He's, he's really, he does his own sort of family art in Brunei. He's, he's from Brunei. And he uses a lot of like machetes and, and staffs and different stuff like that. So he, he's really good. So all that nice. Kind of stuff. Uh, so um, you have, uh, I mentioned earlier in the, uh, in, in the intro, you've, you've kind of combined these two passions, you know, for martial arts and, and for sales to come up with this samurai ninja, this sales samurai combination. And of course, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the problem solving assassin. So, uh, I mean, you, you still ride that, uh, that wave to this day? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any kind of uh, any reason to change or any any. I mean, there are other avenues I want to look into and and different projects and that that I want to take on, but I don't really see any. It is still my foundation and my brand and everything. So, and I, I enjoy doing both. So, it, I have no reason to stop doing either at the moment. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, so I wanted to dig in and see. I think one of the th- one of the gems I heard as you were you were telling your story was that uh, um, uh, you linked your discovery of martial arts back to the lack of discipline. I, I'm a I'm a big I'm a third generation military man, so I'm a big fan of of the military. But I, I'm I totally get it. It's it's not for everyone, right? I mean, you have to be a certain mindset and style of character to to make that a career. So it's not good or bad whether you do it or not. But I think it's really cool if folks could be um, exposed to it, even for a short period of time. And I never want to say make it a mandate, but it's just so much, so many life lessons that can be learned, like, like discipline, you know, the uh, uh, do it like this and make sure it gets done is a big thing. And you're coming back to martial arts because you found that uh, bringing you back that lack of discipline that you have you you found it back in martial arts you still apply your learnings from the military and and martial arts into your daily routines and your business into your life absolutely i mean there's there's certain things that are instilled into you as you know yourself through from the military that will never leave you i mean I'm, i'm quite i'm probably not quite as as regimented and I'm not probably not quite as clean. <laughs> you were very clean, weren't you? I'm probably not, I probably haven't got that anymore. I'm, my girlfriend will probably will back me up with that. I'm probably not as tidy and clean as, as I was, but there are certain things that will never leave. And that is that I have this raw sort of grit and determination to get something done. If I start doing something, I will not stop doing it unless it's, there is, unless it's like detrimental to carry on doing it and it's stupid to carry on doing it. Sure, but right. If I have something in my head that, that I want to do, I will carry on doing it until I achieve it. So that's definitely something that I, that I gained from the military. And I would not have had that, that sort of drive and uh, sheer grit and determination that if I hadn't been in the military. Nice, nice. I, uh, 
I will never say enough good things about the uh, the militaries across the board. I mean, I know uh, all the different styles of militaries that are out there. I, I got to uh, um, go on an airborne uh, a jump. I was a paratrooper in the, in the service, and we did an international reforger. And a reforger, uh, you probably know, but for the listeners out there, is is for lack of a better phrase, is a war game. Right, so we were up in Germany, and we were doing war games with uh, the French and the English, and yeah. I believe also the Spanish were there. So you know, we did a, a an international jump with the uh, with the French, and it, seeing the 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 slight differences in the military styles, but the synergies between them all, like you know, obviously mm-hmm. the the discipline and the grit, and you know, all you know marching in line all but there's there was definitely some similarities uh, and some differences that would to that are to be learned from 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 all styles and i think that is one of the an, another cool thing about the martial arts and you and i were chatting about this when you had me on your show was to be able to absorb what is useful and, you know and discard mm-hmm. the rest and so as you're seeing other styles and this could be other people in a relationship or other people in sales to 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 loop you in uh, to absorb some of the things that they're doing that you could find useful and discard anything that you're not seeing useful anymore. Thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Just little things like you just reminded me of, of my karate days, actually. And uh, there was a we had a um, we had a seminar one day with a really cool. Uh, he's like an older guy. Now he was like something like eighth dan, and he'd spent a lot of time living in in Japan. And he'd, he'd started, I think he'd studied like seven different styles of karate or something. And he was, he was phenomenal. But he, was, he would do a demonstration. So somebody would do a front kick. Uh, so, so, and the, the idea was to catch the foot and karate chop the toes. Now, Ouch. again, that, that is a, it's a brilliant move. But who walks around barefooted? You're not going to catch somebody's foot in the street and karate right. chop the, them with, with sneakers on or, or boots on. So... Again, that's the kind of thing where you say you discard what is that wouldn't have been useful, to, but it would be useful to catch and pull him up or or adapt it and improvise. So again, similar to what you just said, is is kind of using what's useful and, and discard what isn't. Nice. Yeah, I have a I have a, a similar little raw story uh, back in my uh, my days of. Uh, you know, carousing the streets. I was uh, I was hanging out at uh, at a buddy's bar. He owned this bar, and uh, there was a a fellow who uh, who I remember him as uh, AJ. Was it AJ or RJ? Anyway, he was a phenomenal martial artist, and he was just one of those guys. You just and he, you could tell by the way he carried himself. He was like, well, he wasn't looking for a fight or anything, but you could tell that if you mess with him, right, it was going to be quick. And the, uh-huh. he studied this style of martial arts, and you know, I can't remember the name of it right now, uh, unfortunately, but uh, I saw it in action just by accident. We were shooting pool, and I was on the, he was on the far side, and I was on the, the side of the, the, uh, the pool table that was nearest the bar, and one of the guys standing next to me at the bar um, did something offensive to the barmaid, you know. We, we won't go there. He did something offensive, right? And uh, I turned to the guy and said, dude, leave her alone. Meanwhile, uh, RJ came across the pool table in like one pouncing move. And as he landed, he kneed this guy in the back, fish hooked his mouth and hooked his arm under his chin and was starting to take steps 
out the door with this guy. And when he came back in, he says, that's the difference between your art and mine. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was one of those things like, okay, so if I was going to use his art um, to show off at a uh, – at a competition or at a at a demonstration, it it would have been it wouldn't have been that fun to watch because it was very done right. It was just that fast. Uh, but for what he was teaching, which was you know urban kids uh, self defense, it was very effective. It was mm -hmm. do this, you know, get your get it under control and subdue. I'm like, all right. That's good. And this is way back before the popularity of MMA, before it even hit to, you know, the mainstream. I was, I was like four back and started taking lessons from him because like, this is the kind of thing you need at those moments when you don't want to be without something, right? Be that a weapon or the ability to run away or a car to drive away in fast. Anyway, I went down a rabbit hole with us right there. Anyway, let's, let's look this back. Um, I want to drill into your sales experience. So for our entrepreneurs, either budding or those guys already cashing checks, what's the number one sales tip you would want to hand out? You're now listening to, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Well, um, th there's, well, there's a few actually. It will all, all depend on, uh, well, for starters, if you are, it doesn't matter what genre or niche or niche or whatever you want to call it, is whether you're a coach whether you're a business owner whether you're a, uh, an entrepreneur i would recommend learning some form of basic sales skills so the amount of people i've spoken to because i i have quite a lot a big net, network of, of coaches because it's one of the industries that i've been quite interested in and, and sort of networking in and stuff like that and the amount of coaches i speak to that are really good coaches but they haven't got a clue how to sell so they know how to help people, but they don't know how to onboard new clients. Mm -hmm. And they have, to, they have to get somebody to do that for them. So I would advise anybody to learn some kind of sales. If you are somebody that is doing sales, like a sales role or a sales rep, or you, so you're new to sales, what I would suggest is get used to rejection. Yeah. You get used to no. Get used to being told no uh, or, or excuses or even being lied to because a lot of the time people will, will come up with an objection that's a blatant lie and they're not doing it to be mean or nasty. It's just to put you off. Do you know what I mean? So get used to being at, uh, having learning, listening to no. So you want, you want to think about your sales uh, career or your sales job or whatever, your sales role, is it's a numbers game. So if you speak to 10 people – at least seven or eight of them are going to say no. It's the two people that you want to focus on. So every time you speak, to, it's a numbers game. So every time you speak to 10 people, just think two of these people are going to be interested. I'm not concerned about the, the eight no's I'm going to get. Nice. All right. That's going to be a good one. So some of the no's are, like you said, they're those, those passing no's. I just don't want, I want to get you out, out in, front, in front of my face. Or is, there, is there a certain level, and I know this is an acquired skill, where you say, I know they're just saying no because I'm standing in front of them, but they really need this, and you know they really need this. How far do you dig comfortably? That's a good question. Well, the thing is, by, by the time you get to that stage where you, you should ha have done some digging prior anyway, so when you, do, when you build rapport with somebody, you, you, you are getting to know them and you are friendly and you are uh, 
genuinely concerned about the, the situation they're in, but you're also qualifying them as well. So you find mm. out whether they can invest in X product or what it is that, you, that what the, the issues are. So by the time you get to them, them saying no, you should already have some idea about the reasons why they probably say no, whether it would be down to monetary or whether it's something else. I have uh, had the fun experience of not so much selling. I think I've been more on the receiving end. Of course, I do my selling online and when I get uh, actually uh, prospects for my business. And usually by the time I'm talking to them, I, to your point, the, the research is there. I, I know the problem I can solve. So being able to get a no into a yes is a lot easier by uh, – I don't want to say guiding the conversation, but asking the questions and letting them answer them so they're changing their own mind versus my changing their mind. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another good one is to sort of uh, kind of give them a picture of what the future is going to be like if they decide not to make this decision. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I had somebody the other day and he was like, oh, uh, it's expensive. And I'm like, well, it's not really because it, it's it's you're you're making a life changing decision, so you're you're going to be changing your future. So it's it's not expensive. It, it's it's just a, a difficult, uncomfortable position to be in because you are you're changing your life. You're making a life changing decision. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. So you 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 basically have to make him think. I saw what what happens if you say no to me today. Is your situation going to be any different in twelve months' time, or are you still going to be in the same situation you're in now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. So you, absolutely. you kind of you kind of putting the ball back in their court rather than being a pushy salesman. You say, well, if you don't make this decision today, and you decide to go ahead with this. Is your isn't your how is your situation going to change in twelve months' time? Yeah, the answer is it's not going to change. It is it's it? not right, yeah, and, and so. you know probably worst case it could actually begin to slide, worse. deteriorate further. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, where if they work with you, at least there's that chance to maintain and then start to level up. Absolutely, I yeah. like that. So. In the entrepreneurial world, what would you find from personal experience the toughest thing about being on your own is? Oh, right. Um, wow. Well, the thing is, I mean, it's, it's, it's the idea of wearing different hats, isn't it? It's, you, you've yeah. probably got one or two or maybe three skill sets that, you, that you're really good at. Uh, but like for me personally, I cannot stand anything to do with tech or designing things or graphics or anything like that. So I get somebody else to do that for me <laughs> because it's about delegating and, and realizing your strengths. Don't get me wrong. I like to work on my weaknesses. I, I like to, I'm, at the moment, I'm trying to work on copywriting because I'm not very good at it. So my sales skills are, are relatively good. I'm happy with that. But my copywriting skills are, are non-existent. So I'm trying to work on that a little bit because I think it's a good skill to have is, is being able to write copywriting. Sure. So I'm trying to work on that. But... I'm not going to try and do everything because I know that I'm not good at tech. So I wouldn't even try and make myself good at it because <laughs> I might as well get somebody to do it for me. So I think that the most difficult thing about being an entrepreneur is don't try and do everything. You need to understand where your weaknesses lie. And if they are real weak, really weak, then delegate it or get somebody to do it for you. Yeah, I, I totally, I'm totally on board with that one. I think, uh, uh, Understanding your weaknesses is one thing. I think one of the things is, and maybe yours is a great example, um, 
in, if we go with the tech, see, I'm on the flip side of that. I, I love tech. You know, I can, right. I could dabble with that all day long. Uh, it doesn't make it my strengths. I just, I, I dig it. It's, it's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. And I think those that understand their weaknesses, like you said, and then turn around and say, well, am I even interested in growing that skill? Right. Mm, and if yeah. you're not, well, then don't waste your time because you're going you're gonna to put, you know, a piddly alley uh, amount of, uh, uh, you know, action against it and get piddly alley uh, results as well. So absolutely, you know, hone, your, uh, hone the skills that you already know are well, uh, that you have a high interest in, and then find those weaknesses. You're like, okay, I want to dig in there. Like you said, copywriting, you have an interest in it and you know your skills are low. So now you're going to start bringing that back up. So now you're going to apply yourself against it versus you know, stumbling in the dark, so to speak. Yeah. You just reminded me of an interview I did uh, a few months ago with Tony Watley. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's a phenomenal businessman. And he, he was a bit, well, he actually wrote a book called The Side Hustle Millionaire. Mm -hmm. And we was chatting about if I was ever to run my own business or like start my own business to do with like a side business, should we say, or a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Would it be better to do something that I'm passionate in, like for, for myself, it would be selling martial arts weapons, for example. And he said, yeah, it, so if, you, if it's something you're passionate about, if, if you can make that into a business, you're much better because you're already uh, stoked and, and pumped about it, aren't you? Whereas if you're trying to do something that you're not really that interested in, like we just said about your skill set, trying to work on a skill that you have no interest in, it, it's kind of pointless, isn't it? It is uh, totally, and I, actually, I was lucky enough. Uh, hey, Tony Watley was one of the first uh, folks we interviewed here on the Dark Horse, and uh, oh, yeah, brilliant. he uh, he built himself that uh, that was it LZ Tech LZ One Tech uh, built that three hundred thousand membership site uh, behind yeah. his passion, which was performance cars, and yeah, uh, you know, and yeah, he's a he's a great one. Take some great advice from. <sighs> Let's see. So I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, you've been so nice to hang out here, and before no, I, fine. before fine. before I sh before I step back and let you share all the great places they can uh, learn about you, if there is two or three things, or just specifically one thing uh, or more, right, uh, that you want someone to walk away from our time together, what would it be? I would say, go with your gut, and if there is something that you are interested in or passionate about, and you're kind of stuck in your monotonous nine to five or whatever it is and you, you you're not you're not happy with, with whatever it is you're doing go with your gut and yeah just just go for it the, the, you only live once that's what they say isn't it or you, you only die once is probably a better way of putting it isn't it <laughs> so yeah you live every day so you, you might as well get up in the morning and be, be pumped about your day rather than get up in the morning and think i've got to spend eight hours in such an office doing this monotonous job that I'm not interested in. So that, that would be my kind of golden nugget is if you want, even if it's just a side hustle, we've just mentioned the side hustles, even if it's carrying on with your monotonous job so that you can build something on the side for the, for, I, I wouldn't, I would never recommend stopping everything and putting all, all your eggs in one basket and just leap, taking a leap of faith into something. But if you are passionate about something, start that side hustle, carry on your job until it can take over and your passive income becomes your main income. So I would just say go for it. Go for it. There it is. You heard it from the sales samurai himself. All right, Mr. John, uh, I know you wanted to share with us these uh, the six killer samurai closes, the PDF, that uh, yes. we're going to make sure they're in the, in the show notes. But uh, yeah. tell folks about that so they'll want to go and check it out. 
Yeah, the relatively straightforward, simple closing techniques. So if you if if you're into sales or even you could use this for part of your business if you're just unsure about how to kind of close a deal or or, or secure. I, I say close a deal. I like I prefer to say uh, to start a relationship or or mm-hmm. kind of uh, start uh, gain a customer is a better way of putting it. Closing a deal is. The actual term closing comes from a sales where you only sell that one time. So if you've got a, something like that, you're only going to sell to that person once you close that deal. But if it's something like a client or a customer, it's more of a relationship building, isn't it? So these are just some techniques. So it's six different techniques that you can use to to get that, that the job done, basically. And I'll just let you know one of them is literally simply to ask for it. Just ask for the sale there it, <laughs> it is sound, it sounds simple but it's it's effective if, if you're kind of in a situation where you, you've got a feeling that they're interested just say so would you like to move ahead with it then or, right. or just just ask them <laughs> there's no harm in asking and, and a lot of the time it, it's a good way of doing it it's it's so funny that some of the uh, simplest rules are just that they're the simplest rules that Oh, I didn't ask for the sale. Like, hey, you walk out. I, I gave this great presentation, and they were all stoked, and they answered yeah. all the questions right. What well, did you get sale? Uh, no, I'm waiting for them to call. What do you mean you're waiting for them to call? Right? You should have asked for it right there. I exactly. was. Uh, I've been exactly. guilty of that back in my early days. You know, you're like, you walk yeah. away, you hang or hang up that phone. You're like, man, I did so good. Oh, I forgot to ask him for the sale. Oh my goodness! But it's like it's like when the strike while the iron's hot. When you're in, when you've built that rapport and you've done that presentation, and, and they're they're in a buying mood, then if yeah. you leave it and, and leave it a couple of days, they've gone cold again. So you, yeah. you have to, it's got to strike while the iron's hot. So um, I want to I want to drill down just for a minute here uh, on that one. So do you find that a lot of your sales techniques are more? Uh, live discussion techniques or can they be flipped over into the digital landscape as well? Well, it's funny you should say that because that's why I'm working on the, on the copyright. And it's like I've just said, I'm much better on the phone verbally mm-hmm. at the moment because when you're wording things, it's, it's, a, it's a different skill, isn't it? So that's why I'm saying the copywriting is definitely something that I want to work on so that if it comes to where I'm writing emails or we're doing text, I can use the right terminology and the right words to, to get the same results. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a little different skill set. All right. I get that. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So Mr. John, tell us where everyone can learn more about the sales samurai. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost is my short, the success breed success show. It's available on most platforms, including Apple, Spotify. You can even get it on like Stitcher and iHeartRadio. We don't have that over here, but I know you guys do. So <laughs> And it's Absolutely. available on there. Uh, the only other kind of uh, thing that I'm promoting at the moment would be my Sales Samurai YouTube channel where I'm doing demonstrations, so martial arts demonstrations and sales tips combined. Um, I, it's still quite new, so there, I haven't got a lot of content on there just yet, but I do share uh, sort of related episodes as well on there. So there's uh, I spoke to Sean Kernan, and he's, he's a martial artist who was actually in the Karate Kid film, he was in the Karate Kid 3, he was uh, the Cobra Kai. So his interviews on there. So anything that's kind of martial arts or fighting related is on there as well. 
Nice. All right, so we'll be sure we got the uh, the podcast, the Success Breed Success podcast. Obviously, yeah. the YouTube channel. We'll be sure to get those uh, those links down there in the show notes to this show. Any party words, John? Uh, well, just apart from thanks for having me, and it's been a pleasure. Um, <laughs> it's always nice to reach out and speak to, to to a new network of people. And yeah, I hope you've got some content, uh, some value from my content today. Oh, I, I guarantee you they have. John, I certainly appreciate your time. And uh, we'll have to do this again maybe in uh, six or eight months or so and kind of catch up with each other and see how, uh, how things have uh, leveled up on your, yeah, side, yeah, of, on your side of the pond, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The 51st step, yeah. All right. Thanks so much, John. Talk to you soon. Okay, pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. All right, there you have it, my Dark Horse family. John Molyneux dropping samurai-level sales bombs here at the Dark Horse HQ. Here are a few thoughts I walked away with. Thought number one, John was floating through life in his teens and then went into the military. While he found that wasn't for him long-term, he still was able to glean some wins out of his time in, in His Majesty's military. Discipline and perseverance were a couple of things that he specifically called out. Now, afterwards, he drifted into some security events and the like, which is not uncommon for a former military man as a path. And then he stumbled into martial arts. Then he stumbled into the opportunity to be an instructor, and that led him to a sales path. And then he figured out a way to get his martial arts instruction for free by becoming a door knocker for about, what, what was he mentioned, four or five years. He engaged his sales skills through frequent sales conversations with prospects. You know, no matter the journey that you're going through, no matter where you are in your life or where you've been, you've drifted through areas, you've had dark times, you've had high points and low points, right? The roller coaster ride of life. I truly urge you to take some time and review the things that you've already learned, right? Truly take a few minutes today and reflect upon the lessons, the paths taken, the paths you wish you hadn't taken, and ask yourself, what valuable tips tricks, techniques, or hidden gems do you have tucked away within those journeys? How can you share those with yourself and with your market as a value-added benefit within your products or your services? Thought number two, grit and determination are the key to success. Now, John shared how he feels that he gained his grit and determination within his time in the military, and then he found it in the application of martial arts. Now, while you don't have to have been in the military or a martial arts a practitioner to, to foster your grit and turn termination, that was just in John's case. Those were his pathways or maybe even his motivators to spur on his grit and determination. Now, how can you spur on your grit and your determination to reach your personal and business goals? Well, the first thing you're going to have to do is this. You're going to have to decide to be determined, to be determined. Now, I'm not just saying that you need to say, oh, I'm going to be determined. No, no. You need to truly decide, believe in your heart of hearts that you will succeed no matter what course you have to take, no matter what obstacles are in your way. Because you know what? There are going to be obstacles in your way. You're going to have to go over, around, or through, or under something. So you're going to have to be determined. And then develop a plan to reach your goal. Make sure those plans align with who you are. I've mentioned it a few times here, right? Who you are and then why you're seeking out this goal. Now, now that you've decided what you're going to do and you're determined and you've aligned it with who you are and why you want to do it, 
muster up those three seconds of courage and take that first step. And three more seconds and take that second step and so on to the third. Because you know what? Imperfect practice gets us closer to perfect. Thought number three, absorb what's useful and discard the rest. This applies to me to all things in life, personal life, business life, as well as the martial arts examples that were given in this episode. Whatever is going on in your life or whatever learning opportunities you're presented with, right? And they're, God, they're coming to you in how many forms these days, right? Webinars, Zoom calls, podcasts, masterminds, books, coaches, etc., etc. Always, always absorb what is useful, discard the rest. Please do not get bogged down in trying to learn the 50 steps of becoming a better man or a woman or entrepreneur or shopkeeper, website designer, whatever arena you're stepping into. Instead, take one or two or three things that you know you can most benefit from doing right now, today, not a week from now, not tomorrow, not a month from now, and then put those one or two or, or three things into action right now. Yeah, see, then watch the results, learn and react. Once you have those few things in place and dialed in, then go back and re-engage with the lesson, the coaching, the Zoom call, the mastermind or whatever it was and see what stands out for you next. Yeah, put those into action. Guess what? Rinse and repeat. See, you're, you're, you're going to travel down your personal or development journey with whatever resonates with you today, right? And what's, here's the cool trick about that whole thing. Whatever you find resonates with you today is quite probably different than what resonated with you yesterday, a year or two years ago, heck, a decade ago. And I can almost guarantee you it's going to be different what's going to resonate with you tomorrow, a year from now or two years from now, right? So, because here's why. As you take actions, you grow. And as you grow, you're going to be in need of new lessons and new gems of advice, often found in the very courses and coaching or lessons you've already engaged in. So review them periodically and find out what now stands out to you versus what stood out to you the last time you went through the content. Thought number four, learn some basic sales skills. I, I know, I, I get it, right? John shared with us the importance of getting used to rejection. I don't like it, it but it just is. So here's the thing. I'm going to guess if you're listening to this podcast, this is something you've probably already had to deal with, right? And I'm, guess, I'm guessing that I probably don't have to remind you, it's not going to go away. So keep getting used to it. Sales and business and sales and life, as John mentioned, it's just a numbers game. So whether you're trying to sell a shirt, uh, sell a course, or just get a date, it's a numbers game. Now, mind you, you can improve those numbers games, right? With some, I don't know, uh, smart targeting, right? You can improve the targeting by, you know, targeting the right customer or the potential dating partner. But in the end, it's still a date, a numbers game. You, you're going to hear no far more than you hear yes. Now, you can improve the yeses, as we started alluding to, with a few things like, oh, product knowledge, strategic prospecting skills, like, you know, smart targeting I mentioned, uh, re rapport building skills, 
uh, being an active listener, good communication, getting micro commitments, uh, honing your closing techniques. And and, and last but not least uh, that I'll mention here is kind of like those, uh, we would call them post-sales relationship management. You know, how do you treat someone after you got the date? How do you treat someone after you get the sale, right? So all those things, you need to be ready to get more no's than yeses, right? You need to be willing to put yourself out there and focus on getting to those people that you know you can genuinely help. And then help them realize how what you're offering will help where they are and where they will be in the future. And then remind them of where they will be in the future if they don't take action. Right. And thought number five, go with your gut. I don't think uh, my Dark Horse fans need to be reminded of this one, but we already know how important this is. This one is right. But here we are with yet another example from the problem solving ninja himself. Go with your gut. Oh, and remember to ask for the sale. So. All right, my Dark Horse fans, what inspiring ideas or tips resonated with you in this episode? Whatever they were. Right. What are you going to what am I going to say? That's right. Take some time and put them into action today. Go out there, run your race, get your results, and let me hear about those results. Seriously, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not kidding here. Email me at tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Share the tip or idea that you came away with from this episode or any episode, how you put it into action, and what results you gained from that, right? We're building that prize pool I keep telling you about, and if you email me and I read it on the show, you win. Now, our next guest is Luis Diaz, and he's going to be sharing his journey and his tips on, yeah, that's right, podcasting. So if you've even remotely considered having your own podcast, this is going to be a must-listen-to episode. Now, talking about must-listen-to episodes, all of them are must-listen-to episodes, in my humble opinion. So if you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and inspirational stories from this podcast, please go on down there and hit that subscribe button while you're there. Drop us a five-star rating and, and leave us a quick review. And of course, don't keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D to yourself. Share the podcast with other entrepreneurs and business owners that you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.